Hello, 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 dosto. You are back listening to another episode of Red, White, and Brown from Daisies.Live. And we're missing Michael today. And Michael was actually driving. He drove all the way from California, all the way to Missouri. And he was texting on the way. He was telling us about how things were. And he's still driving. But he got to a hotspot and said hi. And he said he's missing us. But we'll definitely see him next week. Though if, uh, you know, of course, in Missouri, he won't get to see the theater movies, but he'll definitely get to see whatever comes on screen. So we look forward to having Michael back with us next week. But he was with me this week when we went to the theaters. However, we got two two series and a movie that we review this week. We're going to review Nine Hours that is streaming on Hotstar. We're also going to review another series called Ashram Season 3. We have reviewed Season 1 and 2 before, and guys, the review is on our website. You can go check it out. And we will review the movie Major, and um, here we are. Shreya, you want to get started? Absolutely. I want to take it away with Nine Hours. Because even before I watched this movie, I thought it was incredibly exciting. Nine hours is exactly what you think it is. I don't know what you think it is, but what I thought it was, was three inmates and they're actually in prison, but they have something called a roll call where they get checked in. And uh, I want to say like prison heads or prison guards or management is like, is everybody here that's supposed to be here? So they have a roll call, but then before their next roll call, they have nine hours. So what do you think prison inmates are going to do in their nine hours? You know, they're probably sleeping in their bunks, following orders, showering, sitting in the courtyard or the yard, as they call it. Not these prisoners, though. These three actually have a challenge where they decide to rob three big banks in nine hours. So they have nine hours before they have to be back for next roll call. So no, they're not busting out and leaving. They're busting out, robbing more banks and coming back to the prison because that's where they think, one, they're going to end up anyway. And two, because they think it's the safest place to be after robberies. So crazy enough, in these nine hours, their goal is to go ahead and hit their targets and then come back and pretend as if nothing has happened. Now things do happen. They unfortunately are just hit with so many twists and turns and everything turns for the worse when the police start to get involved because somebody starts tipping them off about the robberies. So do they make it back in time? Do they not? You will find out. What did you think about it, Em? I thought that actually the premise was very interesting, but then I figured out that it is actually an adaptation of a Telugu novel called Tomiri Gantalu, which means nine hours, and it's written by Maladi Venkata Krishnamurti. It's set in the mid-90s, by the way, and it, the filmmaker Krish Jagarlamudi actually adapted it from this novel. So that was very interesting for me as a, as a start, um, starting premise. And it is directed by Niranjan Kaushik and Jacob Verge, so uh, two directors. So obviously I thought there'll be a difference in treatment while the episodes unraveled. There are nine episodes, guys, and they're long and, uh, and tediously long. And then, of course, one thing that we keep telling Indian makers, there are backstories upon backstories upon backstories upon backstories. And at times, there's so many backstories that you get lost in that entire maze of backstories and stories upon stories. So 
the narrative has a lot to unravel and the backstory to the characters sometimes also turn into commentary. Um, and it, sometimes it's about relationship dynamics, some, sometimes it's about gender, sometimes about greed or power games. So sometimes you feel you're actually attending a moral science lecture in between of that entire, you know, series. Um, but, uh, uh, but, but yeah, um, I, I thought, I thought even though it was long drawn out, some of the, uh, some of the actors were really good. It was Taraka Ratna, there's Ajay Madhu Shalini. I think the music was okay. It was um, it was it was pretty okay drawn out. And of course, guys, before before we lose the track and uh, forget to tell you, it is streaming on Hulu on the Hotstar Hub. Um, so so from from the perspective of the storyline, uh, there is a short-tempered cop who is near one of the banks and wants to stay save the hosta hostages. His estranged wife is a reporter, and a bank manager who's serving his last day at work before retirement is um, uh, 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 there's, there's a romance between that person, um, um, uh, his his assistant, uh, and and uh, another guy at the bank. And then there is this entire convoluted story that's happening at the bank, but at the pr prison, there's this politics happening. So there's so many characters that at times I felt that it was, it was really difficult to keep track of their stories and their backstories and their motivations. And then there's some very cheesy portions like the e egoistic movie star, and and then there's the the other wannabe actor who wants to get the better off him, and then it's just a lot of content. But also between the backstories and how the story progresses, it just takes its own sweet time to unravel, and uh, the the deliberate slow pace really got to me because uh, even though they had nine hours to get back to the prison. The entire series did not show any sense of urgency, which I missed quite a lot. I completely agree with everything Em has said, y'all. And, and we just got finished with Mira's review of Nine Hours, which, as we all know, is adapted from the Telugu novel, Tomid Gantulu, which, crazy enough, I didn't know until she just said it. So I guess we learn something new every day. But I am ready to tell you guys exactly what I thought of it. There is a part within this whole nine hour shenanigan where it turns into kind of this like hostage like situation and you are because they're being held captive we start seeing secrets and you know at once you know secrets you start learning some backstories and then once you start hearing backstories you hear more backstories and that's what I felt like this whole thing, it was longer than it needed to be because we kept hearing backstory after backstory after backstory. We kept getting introduced to more characters within more backstories. And all of a sudden you start to get confused. You no longer know what each character's main motivation is, which at the end of the day, it should just be pretty simple. They just want to get back into jail after they've committed three robberies, which by the way, they're robbing three branches of the same bank which I kind of thought was dumb starting off because I'm like, that that's the easiest way to get tipped off if you're robbing the same bank multiple times or the same type of bank multiple times. I'm like, you're definitely going to tip off the Fed somewhere. So that already was like a shaky start to the story. But once you start going, getting into the rest of this, I'm like, we're introduced to tons of characters. It does start getting confusing. And I'm like, mm, 
at some point you lose engagement. You do lose engagement from the audience. You know, you just, you never keep the action going. It just keeps getting cut by the concept of why these characters are doing what they're doing. And then every time you take the audience out of the moment, especially because they try so hard to make it as action-packed as possible, but then you cut it short and you take the audience out of the moment, it takes a second to get back into it once we're done with whatever flashback is happening. So I'm like, if you do it enough times, people will just eventually stop watching because you lose the flow. And I, I kind of wondered why the director didn't think about flow when the story was being made like maybe it was written differently and was directed differently but I feel like that's something that the director normally pays attention to like if typically they're number one when it comes to what is going to keep the audience engaged for the longest time and I'm like I don't really think you need this to be a whole series because it just like it's just so drawn out I don't even think they had enough episodes to make it a solid series so they just keep adding more and more content and it just feels tacked on I completely agree with you over there. You know, I had a problem with Hawkhood earlier because it was such a linear story and I kept telling you, why did they make such a linear story? They should have started somewhere else and then told the story from a perspective and they didn't do that. Over here, they start somewhere, but then between all the characters and their backstories and the moral science lectures in between, you know, they it becomes a documentary in the middle of it all. Like you could all, or you, you could almost fall asleep. Because it, it becomes like a discourse on certain things in life. And you're like, damn, what happened to the heist? Please mm -hmm. make sure you rob the bank before I go to sleep. <laughs> like literally. Something else you might enjoy is what we liked from Nine Hours. I want to personally say that some characters, some actors were just phenomenal. Taraka Ratna as Officer Pratap. Blew me away, blew me away. I thought he was phenomenal, especially when they were holding the bankers and like the customers hostage in the hostage situation. He did such a phenomenal job with his emotional outburst that I was like, it's just, it was just so good. The, all the actors ended up becoming people that we just didn't expect. Like there were the backstory, there was like a love story involved. Somebody was like a widower. Um, there was like someone who was like her harasser. There, there was just so much happening with the backstories, but it's it just goes to show that how no matter a character's portrayed, like you'll never truly know what their motivation is sometimes. And there is that dimension to just knowing too much about the characters, at least you understand why they're so dynamic. And I did like that part. Uh, hats off to personally I thought the Rakaratna was like the number one in my mind but I give it to Ravi Verma I give it to Ajay I even give it to Vinod Kumar they were all great I loved it no, have no complaints about the acting in this show at all um I have complaints about the editing they could have trimmed the show by a lot of inches all over they could really made it shorter and sharper and it would have been a really riveting watch and, and that's my two cents you are right um however we did give this show an eight out of ten on daisies.live so if you haven't read the review yet what are you doing you should go read it daisies.live and while you're at it you should follow us on instagram and twitter that is at daisies live gram or at daisies live on twitter hi this is bobby Bjorn, and you're watching me on daisies.live and we're gonna switch gears not to a movie but to another show and we're gonna talk about ashram season three if you haven't watched season one and two you definitely should but i will let mira take it away and tell you guys what happened? What should you look for? And why should you even watch season three? You should watch, you should watch Ashram because you're Bobby Dale fans. 
<laughs> right? That should be your only reason to watch Ashram. But also because you are in Bobbywood, um, you know, you're just there. Everybody's in Bobbywood. Do you know the story of Bobbywood? No, I don't. So Bobbywood is this handle on Twitter and on Instagram that a guy in Pakistan runs. And he's crazy. Every damn song of Bobby the Owl, every damn thing, the memes, the songs, uh, every situation. Um, I remember some 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 uh, crisis happened last week and he morphed everything into Bobby Wood. If Bobby was here, he would have done this better kind of stuff, <laughs> literally. So Bobby Wood is a cult and Bobby the Owl is a hero, is a superhero of that cult. So... Uh, there is this entire engagement around Bobby Deal where it's crazy how this entire entire yeah. fandom around Bollywood comes together. That's crazy. Know. That's the type did of fan know? everybody hopes to have. I, I swear to God, did you not know about Bobby? No, Bollywood is a cult. I mean, it's crazy amount of fans. And by the way, the headquarters is Pakistan. It's not only it's not <laughs> in India. So that's the funny part about Bobby Wood. But if you got to watch how amazing an actor Bobby Deal is, Ashram has been a revelation. You know, we grew up watching Bobby Deal do his dances with the flying hair. I mean, he was a youth icon, you know. Nobody danced in that family before Bobby Deal happened, you know. Uh, Dharmendra couldn't dance, his brother couldn't dance, and then Bobby Deal happened, and then everybody saw he had potential. But then he didn't get a lot of, you know, he got a lot of great movies, but then, you know, there was this gap. And then he came back to streaming engines and then ashram happened and everybody was completely bowled over by his potential and after that we've, we're seeing him in a lot of shows and movies and he just blows us over with the intensity of his acting chops and uh ashram is that series where you will see him actually this series is based on the activities of a self proclaimed god man a real guy his name is Gurmeet Ram Rahim Baba Nirala and um, based on a real a real guy by his name was also Ram Rahim something so Baba Nirala in the show is a is, is a ruthless guy, he's corrupt to the core, and he uses his power over people in the name of religion to actually reign in politicians, political power, and, um, you know, praise on innocent women. And in season one and season two, they, they show you how he's created an entire uh, kingdom for himself. Uh, and this is really uh, based on a real life story where this Babaji did the same thing. He created an ashram for women and he would just pick up whatever women he wanted and they could never speak. They were never allowed to go out back into the families. The families were also you know, taken care of. If they ever escaped, they, they would be, they were killed. They'd never find, the, the stories would never find the light of the day. He controlled the media, he controlled the cops, everybody was a slave to him and everybody prayed to him. So season one and season two, the story about this girl who actually was a wrestler, a state level wrestler, and she went into, she, she became a devout of Baba, and then she got raped by him over and over again, and she was and she, she, then she realized what really the guy was and somehow she escaped. And then he, he, 
there's a story of how she still is at large and he's still looking for her so that they can put an end to her. And somehow in season three, she manages to get the story out. Um, and um, I won't tell you what happens in the finale because I'll be given that lot of spoilers, but she does get her story out, but things don't work out the way she thought it would simply. But then how Baba controls the politics, how the politicians play the Baba, how the money moves, how, uh, how media, how the cops move around. So lovely story. Very well directed. Um, very, um, a very uh, riveting watch. And Mira just got done telling you guys what the treetop of Ashram season three is, which honestly, an incredible, incredible story. And I agree with that. I actually really liked it. And the reason I liked it, one, because of course, Bobby Diol, but two, because I have a personal penchant with this concept of modern day religion and cultism. So as somebody who my minor was actually in psychology when I went to college and I focused on abnormal behavior or like social behavior, abnormal behavior, and we consider cultism abnormal behavior. But what we don't realize is that at least in my perspective, I see religion to some extent as cultism, right? And I think that there is a good way to go about it and there is a bad way to go about it. There's, it's no right or wrong way, even though cults naturally have a very negative view on them, there's no right or wrong way to, right, to do it because I myself am religious, so I completely understand. But these like modern day religious figures that pop up and somehow have like ties with politics, politicians and ties with like higher up people and somehow gain a platform that is more public than it needs to be. I always question what their motivation is behind doing so. I'm like, did you naturally just gain that publicity because what you are promoting and the cause you're promoting is so good that people want to follow it? Or did you get your way there and then amass the followers because now you have gotten to the top by kind of playing your surroundings. I like question, right? Questioning everything is a good thing. And we just need, we need more people to do it because clearly this season or this show in general is proof enough that you constantly need to keep questioning things, even the ones that you believe in, especially because there is no such thing as a wholly good person. And we all know the concept of like, we're like, Oh, mother Teresa and Gandhi. And we've talked about the, you know, we're like, oh, Gandhi was never a pure man. Neither was Mother Teresa. Her intentions weren't as good as they seem. Like, of course, people will debate both sides, but there have been encounters and stories of people saying like their intentions were not pure. And it just leads to the belief that like nobody is a pure person. There really is no such thing as like a pure, good, wholehearted, altruistic person. There really isn't. And I want to say that that's a lot to encapture in just one character. But Bobby Diol does it phenomenally phenomenally I think the way he acts so outside of himself sometimes where you see range like the way he acts the range in the characters that he can play are just so good especially in this self-proclaimed like this whole Baba Nirala role and I didn't actually get to finish season three so I don't know what happens but I am on the edge of my seat to finish it because he was phenomenal like he pays attention to detail he pays attention to facial expressions he pays attention to his tonality 
every small thing and every small detail just seems to be so on point. And I can't help but wonder, like some people are just so gifted at what they do that like he's able to encapsulate so many emotions into one character and play it so, 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 so well. But that also means I won't discredit. I think it's Adithi Pohankar who plays Pami, right? The victims also in this show, just phenomenal actors. Like they're just so captivating on screen. The emotional, I guess like messes that they are portrayed as is beautiful at the end of the day. Like it's a beautiful mess and they, they make it so perfect. Like they are so perfect in constantly displaying like their motivation of the character. Like if you can tell they understand it in and out. Her drama is so well depicted. So well done. Oh my God. Her drama is so well depicted. She doesn't know what to do with herself. Exactly. She can't get back to him, right? Of course. And we don't want to give it away because I kind of have an idea of like what happens, but Mira definitely has an idea of what happens. So I'm going to let M take it away and let you guys know what did she possibly not like about Ashram season three? Uh, all right. So Actually, I love Bobby Dill. I'm a huge fan of Bobby Dill, and I said that to her. I interviewed him last month, but yeah, that's him. Oh gosh, he has all my heart. But he gets better as Baba Nirala in season three, and I can't wait for season four. He is, he just gets better at that role. He owns the screen. He absolutely does. He goes he grows more and more sinister. But but he, you know, somehow the way he plays Baba Nirala, you just want him to to keep coming on top, even when he does all those um, cheesy, bad things, really bad, evil things to people, um, really deplorable things. You, you want him to still come on top. And um, uh, he swindles people, he cheats on women, he games the system with a smile on his face. You, you, oh my God, you see him and you're like, gosh, look at the guy, but he... Uh, you know all these deplorable things but he still he, he carries that entire aura of being a baba so well it's just amazing we get to know a little bit more about his backstory this one especially in the last episode so you get to know a little bit more about baba uh this one chand and roy Samuel actually does a good job as boba singh his uh, his minion and uh, he compliments him pretty well anupia goyanka does a disappearance halfway through the series she leaves uh, darshan kumar's um um, ro- um the cop darshan kumar who's uh, who's sincerely trying to get some help for uh pami right uh, so she leaves um, the show middle of the show um, but um, uh, but what I really liked about the show is that they have taken real world incidents and they have uh, uh, dramatized it for the for the sake of the show. However, I thought that season three did not move at the same pace as season one and season two. It was a, it was slightly slower than season one and season two. Season one and season two, if you, you have season three at the edge of your seat, season one and season two, you'll be jumping literally because that was fast that was crazy that was that would have had you in a spin um i i love other people hunkers uh, role i love the way she's portrayed a very traumatized person who's been raped and who wants revenge who just cannot sit still um she refuses to give up she refuses to leave the state and she still wants to get back at him uh, while she's there. So um, I think on the whole, uh, I'm so looking forward to season where they leave the episode, where they leave the season three. Uh, I just cannot wait for season four. Hi, this is Johnny Abraham on Daisy's Dot Live. 
And we are finally, finally going to give you something to watch in theaters if that's what you've been itching for this summer. We're giving you Major. So, Em, how was Major? Did you like it? What was it about? Okay, so let me tell you this entire scene of me walking into the theater and um, Michael texting me, I'm inside, come on, and I got popcorn, and I walk into the theater, and there's Michael, there's an empty theater, and there's Michael right at the top, you know, the last seats, we always get ourselves the last kick-ass seats, and uh, empty damn theater, and two of us again in an empty theater at Cinemark. So, um, in fact, we put out a video and say, hey, here we are getting a private screening again of Major. Anyway, so we get started with the movie and we spend the first one hour of that movie literally waiting for the movie to start because the name of the movie is Major and we're like looking at each other like when will that fight sequence start because the posters the poster is this guy in guy in, in an army uniform and we need to literally you know see him get into the army uniform what's going on here but this is the entire story of him falling in love with a girl and literally figuring out if he's in love with the girl, figuring out if the girl is in love with him. So one damn hour, we keep waiting for him to figure out what he wants to do. We see that he's obsessed with the Navy. And then finally the girl tells him, you know, the only place where, you know, he, and then we see that he gets rejected at the Navy and then he's very dejected. And then the girl tells him, you know, the only place where you get uniform is not the Navy. You can also get a uniform if you, she's so bright and he's so tall he doesn't know that he could get the uniform elsewhere so she points him out in the direction of the army so you can literally go and get a get a uniform if you go into other forces and michael and i look at each other that low iq seriously We look at each other and we pass comments and we look back in the screen and we're like, oh, finally, finally, we might get to see some action. So we see some action and then this back and forth of backstories. Why do we have to do backstories? And then there is some backstory of how the marriage fails. Still, we wanted action. We wanted to see what happened the day this happened and the dramatization and the over-dramatization of, of that entire episode uh, of 2811, a very tragic episode of, uh, of this guy, killing terrorists as part of the special forces inside the Taj Mahal Hotel in Mumbai. Um, he saved a lot of numerous hostages before he was martyred by terrorists inside the hotel in, on the night of November 26, 2008. So this is that story, but that story lasted all of 20 minutes. The rest of it just was us waiting for that, those scenes to happen. So we were just in the middle of a riveting review of Major, and I'm going to let M continue. Well, um, so um, if 
I want to tell you a little bit more about the story. This guy called Sandeep Unikrishnan, which, is, which was played by Adivi Shesh. By the way, Adivi Shesh, and the fun fact about this guy, he grew up in Berkeley, went to Berkeley High, went to really? San Francisco State before he went to India to actually make movies. This movie actually is bankrolled not only by Sony, but also by, guess who? Z... Eros. Mahesh Babu. Oh, what? what? The way I've been just saying brands. And when did Mahesh Babu get into the producing scene? He does, in fact, produce movies. And we did, if you go to our, our, our Instagram, we did post a little little uh, clip of Mahesh Babu and, uh, um, and Adivi Shesh together. Um, you know, they did a little thing for Instagram. It's really cute. You see the, the two of them together. Um, and uh, this is it. While growing up, this guy, and by the way, this movie is written by D.B. Shesh as well. And uh, this guy, Sandeep Krishnan, who's biopic, this is supposed to be while growing up. Um, his uh, dream was to wear a forces uniform because, you know, he loved Schwarzenegger growing up. He used to watch all those DVDs growing up. And his father used to take, because he used to live uh, in a port city, he used to take him to watch the Navy march. So he grew obsessive of uniforms, obsessive of guns. And, and this is all that he wanted to do. But his parents, played by Prakash Raj and Revati, were disappointed by his career choices. But obviously, he, ha- he does what he has to do. So it takes him like that entire, as I said, the entire hour to finally go up to his parents and say, I'm joining the army. <laughs> that's the end of it. And, you know, as Michael and I look at each other, it's like, okay, that's it, settled. <laughs> Why did we have to wait for an hour for that to happen? <laughs> But then he joins the army, he becomes a trainer. He's not a commander, he's not a field operator, he's a trainer. And he gets promoted um, as a trainer, but he romances and marries his childhood sweetheart, uh, who's Seyma Draker, her name is Isha. Uh, and the romance track takes up most of the movie then. Uh, and, you know, the, the entire romance track is so funny that we were literally sitting there laughing. Okay, so it's kind of shit. Stuff that we watch all the time in Bollywood movies, but for Michael, it was too much to handle. He's literally laughing. <laughs> he fell out of his seat laughing because he hadn't seen anything of that sort. You know, the trip and fall and the umbrella falling and the, and the girl running to the bus to kiss the guy in slow motion. And he's like, what the hell is going on? Here. So he got his first taste, you know, taste of that Bollywood style romance. But thank God he didn't get the song and dance. Them breaking into song and dance of fifty other people sing dancing. So that he hasn't done yet. So wait till yeah. he starts doing that. But anyway, so um, then there are problems between him and his wife because they don't live together. He's uh, in Haryan and she's in Bangalore. They both have separate careers and. She has a miscarriage and because of that, they want to separate. So she sends him a divorce notice. He hasn't signed it yet, but however, it's during that time, the terrorists attack Mumbai and Sandeep uh, goes there with his uh, with his team and the rest of the movie is an elucidation of- And 
Of course, we have to have a love track parallel going with, you know, this whole action packed army thing. Clearly, that's always what happens, right? Of course, you just you just got to fall in love when you decide to go into the army. I mean, what else would you be doing? But <laughs> we are glad that Michael enjoyed it because that is our number one priority here. We just like to introduce people who don't know anything about Bollywood media to Bollywood media, music and shows. And you know, great for us, he enjoyed it. So we're going to make sure Michael keeps doing more and more of that. In the meantime, what you should do more and more of is go to Daisy's at Live and read the rest of our review because we gave Major a five out of 10. And if you want to find out why, you have to read on. Absolutely. See, when we gave Major five out of 10, it was because it just doesn't, um, it just doesn't uh, measure up to Dave Patel's hotel mumbai mumbai hotel which is streaming in hulu if you didn't know or oh, it doesn't measure up to even an amazon prime series mumbai diaries which talk about the same episode the mumbai uh 2611 attacks but it speaks of different perspectives now we not we, we're not questioning the perspective this is indeed a biopic but to mix the biopic with a love story um it can it takes the attention away from the bravery of the guy going granular into his character development. They could have stuck to character development, but bringing in so many aspects and then, you know, literally taking each episode of his childhood and then mapping it to his adulthood was tedious. Yeah, the granularity of his character development just uh, became boring after a while. Um, also, um, Shashi Kiran, Trika, and Adibi Shesh, who not only uh, uh, wrote and directed the movie together, they the, just wasted a lot of time in the romantic aspects, which could have literally been, you know, relegated to the background. Just, I know they did it for commercialization of the movie, but it's not required. This movie, we missed the action. This movie was an action movie. Missed the action aspects really badly because we got stuck um, with the romance aspects for such a long time that we were fatigued by the time it came to the real meat of the movie. It came in too late and too, too, uh, um, it came in too late, it came in too late and it came in too, too, uh, too little. So um, it, it kind of reduced the bravery of Sandeep Onikrishnan to a great extent um, by, by really relegating those scenes to this. Yeah, we would have loved for those scenes to be a two-hour movie. Right. Um, so that's, that's what my, my thought process around this is. Sure. I think that if there is a Mahesh Babu involvement in a movie, there must always be some kind of romance because I think that's where he gets a majority of his audience from. However, he needs to start thinking in the mind of a producer and not an actor because that concept of having that really strong parallel romance works only when he's on the screen. That's what people want to see from him. They want to see him in a really strong like 50% romance movie, 50% everything else. But now that he's producing it and he's still in that same mindset, he doesn't realize that once you change the heroes, that's not exactly what people want to see on screen anymore. I'm like, yeah, because you associate all this romance with Mahesh Babu doesn't necessarily mean you associate all that romance with Mahesh Babu movies. So, Absolutely. And, you know, if I look at the numbers how, how, of how the movie's done, it's doing, doing extremely well here because of the Telugu crowd, of course. It's doing very well in South India because of the Telugu crowd again. Power. But it's not doing well anywhere else because of 
the for Telugu sure. crowd again. So. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. That does not, of course, diminish uh, how we think the actors did because I think that Prakash Raj actually received some fantastic reviews for this movie. But honestly, where does Prakash Raj not receive fantastic reviews? Like he's just the one character you can constantly, constantly rely on. Any language, all, all any Bollywood, All Bollywood Indian movies have this one character who need, need to summarize the plot. They get a monologue. Like Amitabh Bachchan got one in Runway 34. This guy got one here. Every So you have this one guy who has to speak the monologue for for summarizing the movie and the moral uh, moral science lecture behind the movie. So that's what Prakash had got to do here about Sandeepani Krishnan and his uh, patriotism. So I think that was a, that was a well done uh, monologue, but um, uh, the performances, the action, um, and the patriotism were, were super synced, uh, did not go overboard because it wasn't a lot. In the first mm -hmm. place, um, a lot of footage was romance and things that just didn't matter to us who wanted to see the patriotism of Sandeepani Krishna. And that wraps up our show for this week. Be sure to tune in next week for more Bollywood movies, media and entertainment. Thanks, everyone. Bye.